oh, so you're going to be with the same person for the rest of your life. Like, how boring. It's like, no, I'm always changing. He's always changing. That is the killer of relationships. It's always of a death of a thousand cuts. I'm seeing so many parallels in finances as well. That's the delayed gratification, too. The longer you wait for something, the more you anticipate it, the more exciting it gets. Are you a six-figure household, but you're struggling to build wealth? Money isn't a problem, yet you don't have a financial strategy. You and your spouse just can't seem to get aligned, and it's holding you back. Welcome to Rad Money, the finance podcast for millennial married couples. We're Rebecca and Dylan, and we're on a mission to help 100 couples build a roadmap to their first million dollars. And our goal with this podcast is to help you stop arguing about money so you can start building real wealth. Because the world needs more good, wealthy people. Welcome to today's episode of the Rad Money Podcast. Today, we're going to be interviewing Tim Johnson, who is the founder of Coupley, the couples dating app. And Tim has given us a special offer for everybody who's listening to our podcast to save 30% on Coupley for a year's membership. A couple months ago, we did some research after we did our investing in your relationship episode. And we were just like, what are some other ways that we could invest in ourselves and invest in our relationship? And that's how we found Coupley. And we've been using it for a few months now. We really love it. And even though we've been together for 10 years, we feel like it's enriched our relationship. There's so many great features. It will start new conversations with your partner that you probably have never had. It just does a great way of engaging you in conversations and helping you understand each other a little bit more. And one of the features I really love is the check-in feature. It's just like saying, how are we doing right now? How's our communication? How's our intimacy? How are you just doing with your stress? I even get to check in with myself and say, hey, this is what's going on. And I get to see what Rebecca's up to. And it's really helpful. I think it's really helpful because how hard is it to tell your spouse, hey, I'm really feeling stressed? Like you kind of don't think to actually say that sometimes. Right. And so just for the app to prompt you is really nice. Or, hey, I feel like we actually haven't been connecting that much this week and I would like more. Those right. are conversations that they're just not, they're not common. Right. I think, you know, especially in the, the world we live in, doing things through the phone can make it a little bit easier. So may, like, it takes use, the pressure off takes of the, the in the moment responses. Yeah. And you don't have yeah. to come up with respond the Respond when you're ready. Right. Yeah. You can respond when you're ready and you don't have to be on the spot trying to figure out what to ask. Coupley's doing it for you. And Tim has given us a special offer for everybody who's listening to our podcast to save 30% on Coupley for a year's membership. So if you're interested in that and learning more about Coupley, check out the link in our show notes. And without any more delay, let's get to the episode. All right. Welcome to the Rad Bunny Podcast. Today, we have Tim Johnson from Coupley. We're really excited to have him here with us today. A few months back around Valentine's Day, we were talking about investing in relationships and yeah. we started to look for apps that were specific to couples in a relationship. And we came across Coupley and we got to know Tim a little bit better. He had us on his podcast not too long ago. And now we have him here today on ours. And we're really excited to have him here. Welcome, Tim. Oh, thank you so much. What a wonderful welcome. Delighted to be here with the Rad Money Coaches, as always. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to have you here, too. We've been really interested in investing in our relationship, and we found Coupley, and we just found it such a nice, useful tool for us to start different conversations, and it just helps spark conversations in ways that we, we didn't know we could have. So before we really start to dive into the relationship side of stuff and and get into those types of things. We'd love to hear a little bit about Coupley from you, um, and mm -hmm. especially the how Coupley, how you came across the, the idea or how you started Coupley. 
the big thing was that there are so many apps out there that help us get into a relationship. There should be an app that will help us stay in the relationship that we're in, right? It's almost yes. inevitable that there will be this big app that is going to help couples cement their relationship, deepen their connection, increase the strength and depth of the foundation of their relationship. And that's our goal and that's our dream. And that's what we're trying to do with Coupley. The idea came around is when I came out of a long relationship, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about it in this podcast, but I was in an eight-year relationship and I was married for two years as well. We went to couples therapy, but like many couples out there, for us, it was a little bit, a little bit too late. And I think we were kind of already on a diverging path. Fast forward, two years later, I'm in a new relationship. And the slightly longer version of this story was that I had a condo. I bought a condo in Toronto, been promoted at work. Finally, my life felt like it was getting back on track. I've been in a relationship with someone amazing. And then disaster struck. Someone from above threw a cigarette down onto my condo patio. I had my condo patio decked out. I had a sun lounger on there. I had tables out there. <laughs> I had an umbrella, some plants. Unfortunately, all of that caught fire and it smashed the windows of my condo, destroyed the interior of the condo with smoke damage and fire damage. And I moved in with my girlfriend, who is still my girlfriend, six years later. Um, and I was like, oh gosh, I'm a divorced man who's homeless. I'm still paying mortgage. I'm still paying condo fees. And I'm living with my girlfriend. And if this doesn't work out, I'm back on the streets in every sense of the word, in every sense of the word. And so I was thinking like, okay, we're definitely too early to go to couples therapy. And that's not really you want to say to someone who you've been in a relationship with just a few months and everything's going great. But hopefully there's an app out there that can help just us deepen the foundations of our relationship create some good communication strategies, do some of the learnings that I'd taken some time to learn after my former relationship broke down. And there really wasn't anything. And I worked in technology. I worked at an app. One of my best friends is a software engineer. And I thought, oh, we could build this. And over the next few years, that idea slowly started to generate. And on and on it went until we're at where we are now with Coupley. We have over 300 thousand downloads and helping thousands and hundreds of thousands of couples across the world improve their relationship. That's awesome, Sam. Not the part about the fire, obviously, but how you're helping so many people. It's a wonderful thing. And gosh, I mean, just to talk about how important a relationship is, because they can, mm. so, if you're rooted in such a relationship, that other person can help you through hard times that you're going through. And so it's just great to hear, like, that's the good side of a good relationship. Exactly. I mean, the quality of our relationships has such a massive impact on the quality of our whole lives. So it is worth investing, but it's so sad that for so many people out there, their relationship is part of the weakest part. It's the weakest part of their lives. And it might be something that they're really weak at doing. Like it, it's a skill. Building a relationship is a skill. And it's something that you can learn. Relationship science has cracked it pretty much, but it's it's not systemized and it's not put in our lives in a in a regular way. Yeah, I, this leads right 
nicely into where we wanted to go next, Tim was like, we, we really talk about investing in relationships. And I think in as society as a whole, we have a reactive model to everything. It's like, oh, I wait until the relationship gets bad to go to couples therapy. I don't go to the doctor until I see that I'm sick. You know, we don't do these things that we should be doing to be preventative in, in our life or actually just set ourselves up for success. Instead of waiting for it to get bad and fix it, what if we built it up from the ground up? So like this, that's all about what our, our podcast is, is like talking about investing in your relationship through the lens of money. And so I'd love to hear from you about the importance of investing in relationships. And then are there any ways that are your favorite to invest in your current relationship right now? The really important thing to remember in relationships that people often misunderstand. People often think that our relationships are really about the big things. You know, they think it's the 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 room filled with roses, the fancy vacations, the the Instagram photos. <laughs> Whereas like the true happiness in relationships is people showing up for each other every day. People make doing the work to manage their emotions to allow their partner to express their emotions something which in relationship science they call holding space being able to talk to someone and listen to them and get into their world what's bugging you why is that bugging you it is a thousand small things doing a thousand small things consistently is way better way bigger for your relationship than doing something really big this is why so many relationships live and die on the tiny minutiae. It's leaving a half-filled cup by the sink instead of cleaning it. It's never emptying the dishwasher. It's cliche to sound, but that is the killer of relationships. It's always of a death of a thousand cuts. I'm seeing so many parallels in finances as well, which I'm trying like not to dive into. But but that that is the thing. It's doing small positive things often in your relationship that is really the secret to to keeping it alive one of the things i think about too when we start talking about investing in relationships and all these little things is that there's this this common concept i mentioned it before that a good relationship is something you don't have to work on but i think that's a bs comment i think anything that you want to go well in your life you have to put all the effort into and that's that, that investing thing. And it's all those little things that you mentioned, Tim. That's a, t a tiny deposit by me washing the cup, actually making a deposit in the relationship because it, it might not even be for myself. It's for the other person that I'm doing things like that, right? Totally. I really dislike it as well for exactly the same reasons. And you've touched on something there, which I really love too, in which you're, you said like something I'm doing for my partner, right? If you're like me, I could put 10 cups next to the sink and I wouldn't actually notice it. I'd wash them up at the end of the day or maybe tomorrow. That's not a big deal to me, but that is a big deal to my partner, right? That is not okay for her. And so for me to remember that these small things are important to her and to show that respect, I'd be like, okay, because it's important to you, it's important to me, I'm going to make an effort and do this. That is really really awesome for your relationship because you're making that investment in something that your partner cares about so then when they see it or they come down and they see that the sink has been cleared away everything's put away it's been it looks immaculate the kitchen's immaculate and they know that it's not something you care about you are doing this for them how beautiful is that 
in Coupley, we try and build this into the product by getting people to do quizzes. So you can do something called the love language quiz. Many people are familiar with this. Just learning you and your partner's love language is one thing. That's awesome. You now know that perhaps your partner's love language is acts of service and doing things for them is really important. Or it's words of affirmation. So conversations are really important. And for them, uh, hearing you express your appreciation for them, express the reasons why you love them, the reasons why they're special is so important to them. We help illuminate that for people, especially if you've never done one of these surveys quizzes before and you, you're not familiar with your attachment style, Myers-Briggs, your Enneagram, your communication style, your color wheel, oh, such a good quiz. But then we try to take it a little bit further and give people this custom relationship advice, date ideas that are based on not you, but on your partner. So you're showing your love to a partner in a way that they will appreciate. That's huge because most people, they think, well, I want to be shown affection like this. I'm a logical person. Therefore, that's logical. Therefore, I'm also going to show my affection to my partner in the identical way, not realizing that lo and behold, people want and receive affection in different ways. And there's the classic the classic example in which these, the tap is, the faucet is dripping, right? And husband says, oh, that's driving me mad. It's obviously driving my wife mad. I'm going to spend the evening underneath the sink, figuring out how to do it. She sat on the sofa thinking that they were going to spend an evening cuddling up or talking or connecting. He comes back and is like, look what I've just done. And she's like, you just spent the whole evening ignoring me. This is date night. Like, why? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I just spent the whole evening doing this for you. And it's that classic disconnect. And th these are the things that we really like, love to try and unpick and explore. And final thing I want to say as well is that like, on Dylan's point of like people expecting relationship to just work, it's very normal to have these levels of discomfort in your relationship. It's not 100% of a comfortable conversation that you have with your partner. Right, But if we can have an open conversation that's filled with love, we can get through some of these discomforts. And that's a, a little bit more advanced skill and one that I know that you guys have and I hope that people listening to this will work on having a, a slightly harder conversation with your partner in a loving way. It's still a little bit uncomfortable, but that's good because discomfort can lead to growth. Oh, that's awesome, Tim. That's, that echoes a message that's come out a few weeks prior to this podcast coming out. It's so nice to repeat the point and hear it from a different angle because it just lets it sink in a little bit better. Mm. It's like hearing the message a few different ways is awesome like that. And I feel like there's so many parallels with that just with finances. And I know we've just talked a lot about relationships and like the start of Coupley, but one of the reasons we really want to have you on here is because when we started talking, it wasn't just that we had this common interest of helping other people in relationships, but you were so interested in personal finance. You've seen kind of the, the lens of how finances plays in a relationship and how relationships can play into finances. So I'd love to take the time now to start pivoting the conversation a little bit towards that. You've shared with us off camera before about your relationships and how money has played a role in that. And I'd love to dive into that if you're comfortable today having that conversation here a little bit. And yeah. so, yeah, I'd love to hear how how money has played a role in your relationships in the past and the present. My finance journey has been really interesting because when I started my career, 
I worked for the Red Cross organization. Fantastic organization, actually brilliant. Loved working there. But what nonprofit work does often for most folks who work in it, the pay is really bad. <laughs> You're doing amazing things in the world. It's awesome to do. The work is awesome. The pay is so bad. And I had moved countries. So for my first relationship, I'm from England. My ex is from uh, Canada. So I moved across to Canada and we were making things work. And I was not being paid much at all. And this feeling of just being paycheck to paycheck isn't even the word, like using your credit card and then like being like, okay, I can just about pay off my credit card. Like, oh God, now I need to be really, really, really tight the next few weeks. And then finally that paycheck comes and you can pay a little bit more of your credit card off. I got myself into that cycle in a, in a really big way. This really struck me very hard on a moment in which I received an award for the work I was doing in the community. So I was working for the Red Cross. I organized a major gala for the Red Cross that would raise around $250,000, would organize corporate sponsorships for hundreds of thousands of dollars for the Red Cross. And I was very super proud of that work. And I do need to say that it's the best. But personal finance wise, just from having a, sharing a mortgage, it was high. And the, the salary was so low, it was very difficult for me to sort of make ends meet and that and as well because i was doing fundraising i was typically with folks that were in a much higher pay bracket and i think i was just in places that were expensive i was spending money on food on drinks uh on being out and about and being seen in the community i'd also volunteer on boards and try and just be visible in this community and give back to the community and i won an award i won an award for my work in the community so it was a a social and community award for the work I'd done. And I was like, great, this is awesome. Like, how cool is that to be awarded by the CBC? For the Americans listening, that's the equivalent of the BBC in England. It was a big deal. And I'm like, I'm going to reward myself. I'm going to buy a comic. I'm going to, like, read a Batman comic and relax and enjoy it. And I went to this, uh, like, comic book shop. And it was $3. And I was like, this is, this is perfect. $3, cool. And I tapped my debit card and it got declined. And then I was just oh. so embarrassed because I realized I'd done enough work to get recognized by a national organization for the work I'd done in the community. But my finances were so bad that on the day in which I was treating myself from getting this national award, I didn't even have enough money to buy a freaking comic book. And it struck me really hard. And that was the day when I was like, this is broken. I need I need to make a change. And that, that change took a long time to really happen. The first thing I did was uh, get a different job in fundraising for a university, a little bit more of a pay increase. And at that point, I was doing major gifts. Major gifts, you get to network with people with a really high net worth. And I remember going for lunch with one of these guys. And he talked about his career and the things that the businesses that he'd started, the things that he'd done. And I was like, I'm the 20 something year old, I'm a 30 year old guy listening to someone who is 70s, who's got more, who's more dynamic, got more energy, done more things. And he's my client, but shouldn't these roles be reversed? Like, shouldn't I be the one starting businesses and getting excited about doing new things? 
And at that point, I knew that I needed to make a, another pivot in my career, which when I moved into technology. And at technology, uh, working at an app called Wattpad was a perfect fit for me. I was already a writer. Um, I had some notoriety on the app. I'd invested so much time in it and became employed there as well. Then being able to manage, be working in sales and getting commission was incredible because at that point, you're your own mini entrepreneur and you can start to control a little bit of your own destiny in terms of how much you're getting paid. And that that's when my relationship with, with money started to, started to get really good. Um, and I was able to invest, able to start building those like walls around my finances and, and, and improve. But it is important as well, when I was earning rubbish money, my ex was a lawyer and was earning really good money. And, and we had like a really big difference in income that was really tough. It was tough for me as a, as a, as a man, you know, like, yeah. a, like, and it, and it was kind of stressful because I wanted to contribute, but because she could spend more and I, I, I felt like things were a little bit out of my control. So I'd like spend to try and like go halves and, and pay, but because she could just spend more, I, I constantly felt like I was catching up. And I didn't have control of my own finances. And that I remember being very stressed about that and feeling embarrassed and resentful. And that was coming up in behavior that wasn't really like good for our relationship because we, we weren't having these like harder financial conversations. Yeah, uh, actually, Rebecca and I, when we first started dating and a lot, actually through a lot of our relationship, she made more money than me as well. And that 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 difference, it does make the conversations tough at times because especially from the guy's angle, traditionally, there's this need and want to do more and provide. And it's not even as if it's not like I have to be the the lead role in this relationship necessarily, but I want to be able to hold my own weight, right? That's really important. Mm -hmm. So I definitely can relate to that. So like, yeah. how, did, how did money play that role? Like, how do you see that money played a role in that particular part? You know, I think for me, looking back, and I'm looking, I'm really looking back with a lot of perspective. I was younger then. I was in like my early twenties, and I'm looking back at it now, and I'm going to be forty next year. So I'm looking back with fifteen years of perspective. So yeah. I've got to give myself a break. I was like a twenty-something-year-old kid. I'm not going to, you know, be be too bad, too too hard on myself. But I, I just remember the constant feeling of uh, just feeling a little bit insecure, uh, feeling like I didn't have control. And feeling like I was always falling behind, which I was. And by the time I left Saskatchewan, I had something like 15 grand of credit card debt. Oh, wow. And it took me a while to like really unwind all of this. I also wouldn't just look at it because it would stress me out. So I would ignore my finances. So I wouldn't check in. I wouldn't look at it. But I had these like aspirations of trying to buy an investment property. However, because I wasn't the financial lead in our relationship, I didn't really get to necessarily make some of the larger financial choices. So with the condo that, that we got, it was my ex and her family that got it, had really high condo fees, the mortgage was a little bit higher. So I found myself still paying half for something that was out of my budget to begin with, which already started off the whole road on a little bit of a, of a back foot. It, it, you know, was, it was like a really big financial decision that was made without me and impacted my life every, every month. So the, so like that, these kind of things can really play into it. And it's because we didn't have the hard conversation. Maybe yeah. at the time I wasn't, because I felt insecure, I don't think I had 
the like strength of mind to be like, hey, we can't buy this condo. This is out of our budget. What are we doing? We will be completely housebroke if we buy, buy this thing. Looking back, if I'd have really like stuck my heels in, it would have made a massive impact on our quality of life just to be in somewhere that would have been basically the same, half the price, a few blocks out of downtown. It would have been, it would have made a big difference, but it wasn't, I couldn't lead. I couldn't invest. It, I didn't, I didn't have the money to be part of it. So the decision was made without me, but it, the impact I shouldered. I think that's really insightful. And I think that what ends up, we see a lot and hear a lot in relationships when it comes to those financial conversations and specifically financial boundaries within those relationships mm. is what we're what we're really talking about, right? And being able to s express what you feel like you're able to afford, what stresses you out, what's scary to you, mm. what's security to you, all those sorts of things. But we, we avoid the conversation, right? Because we don't want to cause a problem. But what's actually causing mm. a problem is not having those conversations and creating those financial boundaries so that it, it just doesn't slip away. It doesn't get so big that then there's, it almost feels like there's nothing you can do. Then you're just stuck and you're way in over your right. head. And you start sniping at each other about maybe you shouldn't buy this or maybe you shouldn't buy that. You spend so much money on this. You spend so much money on that. Mm -hmm. And I think that those little like back and forths where you're randomly sort of be like, well, you're spending too much money on, on Starbucks or wine or whatever it is. And you start trying to chip away at the things that people maybe enjoy or, or you just haven't built a budget together that, that you can stick to or a system that works for you and those are like some big big learnings and i'm really lucky to as i've gone through my finance personal finance journeys to like move away from a lot of that and it's funny thinking back how, how it makes me feel so anxious in my in my stomach and my my chest and everything feels like like tight just thinking about it whereas now thank god uh, my relationship with money is so much better and, and the way that i've approached things is is so much healthier which is good. Like you were saying, you know, giving yourself grace, that's a big thing that I really like to tell my clients is you're looking at your past self and saying, hey, I just know more now, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting to look back or for people who are currently feeling this way, even just to see the way that even those behaviors that maybe you're glad that I'm, I have a better relationship with money and that, you know, I'm not doing this anymore in my relationship, but also acknowledging the fact that like the reason that you're sniping at each other and you're nickeling and diming each other and all those sorts of things mm. are because you are literally in fight or flight you are mm. scared you are stressed you are you are just it's a lot of fear you know because mm. you're barely rubbing two pennies together and you know you're just like i'm i feel very fragile i feel really vulnerable financially and so it starts to come out in these ways that we just we, we're not really aware of when we're doing it but when we look back at it, it's like, oh, yeah, I was just really scared. I was really yeah, stressed and, out. And and the root cause of the, those problems, are, it, it's nothing about the Starbucks. It's nothing about the glass of wine itself. It's because of these bigger financial choices that we make. It's mm -hmm. something we like. We talk to our clients a lot about, too, is thinking about, you know, if you want to enjoy the glass of wine, you want the cup of coffee. Have you thought about like Tim's example is great. It's like when you have too much house, you can't enjoy life because you're stuck at your house. Or if you have more car than you need, like we, what's the purpose of the vehicle? Is it a luxury thing or is it just to get you from point A to point B safely? When you're looking at the big ticket items and if you can reduce those down, they make such a bigger impact on your, your flexible spending and what you can do and enjoy and invest and save. It has, it has a bigger, it helps you play a lot more with your money. 
than if you you know you buy the big house and you have very little to work with. Adds more stress. Right. And honestly, earning more as well. This is one that I really did want to make sure that we talk about because the difference in my life when I moved from the nonprofit world to the tech world was insane. And honestly, the amount of work I was doing wasn't particularly, I'd say it was probably less because in the nonprofit world, we're often on call. We work many evenings. Um, you get more vacation time, but when you're on, you're really, really on and it takes over your whole life, especially when an emergency happens in the Red Cross and you are doing fundraising events and you're attending fundraising events and you're doing media, you're waking up at 5am to do the morning show to tell them about the update that's happening with forest fires or or whatever the disaster is going on around the world. In tech, you're working more, we were working more based on programs and campaigns, but the work was as hard. It was, was still, we're still working with super smart people and I was getting paid three times as much. And, and that is absolutely life-changing. So you do have a look at your skill set and have a look at what people are getting paid in different areas, because it might not make sense for you to work in your current job, in your current industry. You might be a really hardworking person. If you're someone that like can grind, work hard, love what you do, maybe you can apply that skill set in a different industry and get paid a heck of a lot more and still get the satisfaction. I got so much satisfaction at working at my old job called Wattpad, because Wattpad was still helping people read and write. It was making reading free for the entire world and was encouraging young people to write and share books. Incredibly satisfying, incredibly satisfying. And I still got to have a massive impact in the world. We still helped tons of people write their first books and get paid writing them. I helped the company expand and grow and learn so much. And so the work was, a, was about the same amount of hardness and the pay was, was so much more. We can't underestimate actually the big change that happens. Tech isn't quite as tech is going through a little bit of downturn as some of you guys might know. <laughs> so there might not be like these 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 frothy tech jobs. And it was getting silly. You could see it was getting silly in the industry. Uh, when you have like people that are on standby getting paid two hundred grand a year to be on standby, and you're like, okay, wow. this this is a bubble. <laughs> this is sustainable. <laughs> Um, when it's not your but, money, you can do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if um, the VC is so, fine. Yeah, well, ex exact, exactly. And like some of those businesses aren't aren't around anymore. And there was definitely a lot of frothiness and a, and a bit of a bubble that has definitely popped, which I think for the long term is good. But I really can't overestimate asking for the raise changing your job title, moving into something that you can create more value for a business, and then you can charge more for either your time or even better, a percentage of the value that you're bringing for that company, because that is what can unlock some serious wealth generation for yourself. If you're working for a company, if you're in, if you're in sales and you're getting commission, you can get onto those accelerators. They build a fair and interesting and exciting commission structure for you. You become this entrepreneur in the business and and it, it also opens up like a new part of your mind because you're a business owner in a business so you're thinking about things in a completely different way as well so even just from a personal development standpoint i loved i loved being in business development and i loved being in sales so much yeah no you, what you said made me think of two things tim one is actually i'm going to steal it from rebecca because she says this all the time there are times where you just can't save yourself out of a problem anymore it's like you've maximized your budget. You've done such a good job of managing what you have. 
But when life is just more expensive than the money you make, you have to start earning more money. It's just, there are just certain points in your life where, yeah, it, you're going to need more money. Like we want you to maximize what you have, but then you got to turn around and then be wise with the money uh, that then continue to make more money and be wise with that too. Yeah. What I say is you don't have a spending problem. You have an income problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then there's probably some levels where that, that makes sense. I think for me, I was very lucky that I found like the fire movement at the same time that I found my income increase and I fell in love with the principles of fire. And it happened because this lady at our work, she was a lawyer, her name's Sherry. She gave a presentation and said, Hey everyone, I'm retired. I saved up <laughs> enough money and, uh, I'm moving to Portugal. I'm riding horses on the beach, spending winter in Costa Rica. See you guys later. And we were like, how the heck did you do that? And she gave a one hour presentation on stocks, shares, her fire principles. And that really gave me a kick up the bum to start investing and start saving. I was already quite frugal, but that that made it that made my frugality really fun. And it, it made it from like a bug to a feature where I was like proudly frugal and and that made saving even more, which which really helped me get the the financial confidence to start building coupling and leave my job. Yep. Because I had a little bit in the bank, felt a little bit more confident. Um hoped that it would com be compounding away. Hasn't happened because we had a little bit of a weird time in the stock market. But in the future, hopefully that 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 amount will start to compound away. Hypothetically, but, uh, that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it is fun when you can gamify it, right? Yeah. And you make it kind of fun and see how frugal you can get and how lean you can really get down to and how much you can save and stuff like that. I think that is one thing that I like how you phrased it. It became instead of a bug, it became a feature. Um, mm. That is one cool thing I think about the the fire community or just financial independence in general. It's just most of society looks at saving as, oh, you're so boring, you're so stale, just earn more money, you know, like whatever. But it takes that and turns it into actually a positive, and all of a sudden it's bragging rights. Yep, it's fun, and there's certain things you just never go back to once you get used to making your lunch at work. Even though people always used to make fun of me because I had the same lunch every single day for six years, it was it was awesome. I would never go back to like like buying lunch and bring it in and eating it at my desk. I just thought that's so sad. Like you're not even really tasting it. You're just like munching it while you're typing and I was like, no, that's not I'm not about that vibe. I'm I'm more of a make my scrambled eggs in the microwave. <laughs> Enjoy it in the office canteen. <laughs> okay, Tim, that's it's gross. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Uh, Rebecca, I promise you I can make like the world's greatest scrambled eggs in a in a microwave. Um, and I'm, I, I'm actually very proud of that. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to challenge you. I'm also not going to ask you to do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> not going to ask you to prove it. Um, so I'd love to just bring it back then to yeah. the, the relationship. So mm. you've been on this journey with your finances and you've learned so much, you've grown so much, be it on, from the saving side, from the income side, and you know, you're investing and you're feeling like you said, far more confident, which yes, that is what makes a good entrepreneur. That is the difference between success and failure, in my opinion. Just knowing your numbers and being really good with your finances. But let's bring it back to the relationship. And so through everything that you've learned with your finances, what would you say are a few of the, the things that have led to success now with how you manage money in your relationship? The few main things that I think that lead to success 
with relationships and a finance. There's a number one. Having a finance check-in with your partner on a semi-regular basis. Love it. This isn't fun. It's not sexy, but just getting the spreadsheet built, going through it together, looking at your expenses. Mortgage rates have gone up significantly and our finances have had to change. Me and my partner have to do a bit of check-in. We both we both contribute amount to a sh- to a shared account, and that amount has increased for both of us, right? So frequently doing um, finance check-ins with your partner. And the second thing, understanding you and your partner's values around money. What does money mean to you? What does it do to you? What is your idea of having? What does being rich mean to you? What is is there a number? Is there a way that you want to save to that? What are things that you like to buy? What is the amount of dollars that you should just be able to spend per month without checking in? Can you can you buy a video game without being like, hey, I'm going to buy a video game? Lisa, the third point is the financial communication with, between you and your partner. What are you talking about the things that the financial moves that you're making together and are you making decisions together, right? It's like, I told you guys a story about a friend of mine who was supposed to be buying a condo with his girlfriend. Without telling him, she bought a car on lease and then they could no longer buy the condo because she had oh, no yeah. credit limit less, right? She made a financial move because she was celebrating because she got a new job. And how do you celebrate a new job? You get a, a new car and that hooped them financially. They did end up breaking up. I'm not sure if it was because of that, but it was definitely like an didn't indicator help. that they weren't. Didn't yeah, help. That they, that One of the thousand cuts? Definitely didn't. Yeah, it definitely, definitely didn't help. It definitely didn't help. Being able to financially communicate like, hey, I want to spend this. I think we should invest in this. Like, I think working on that communication is the is the third big key. Um, and then finally, making sure that you're having some fun. Like, let's make sure to like book some vacations, go and eat in some nice restaurants, go to for a spa day and do have that sense of being able to treat both yourself and each other. Money is a tool to make our life richer. So make sure that you're spending it intentionally on things that are going to actually make your life richer and enjoyable. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that that last point in particular is why I'll actually kind of disagree with one of the things you said earlier, where like you said, the money Mm. dates aren't sexy. Mm. I think you can make them sexy. You can make them fun. It's, It's all in how you frame it. It's all in like, are you looking at just what's wrong and just numbers and you know, Mm. metrics, or are you looking at how you moved closer to your dream life together this month? Are you looking at the fact that like, we're about to take a three week vacation in Hawaii and it's going to get real sexy. Like, like, (laughs) like, seriously, if you make it dry, it's going to be dry, but you can make it fun and something that you can actually look forward to. And when you, when you frame it the right way and you look at what are we building together? And now all yeah. of a sudden, like, I'm excited and I can't wait to have that conversation, it, you know? It's, especially if you're, like, working towards, like, a goal together. Mm-hmm. I have a dream of owning a home in the sun. That is my dream. Before, I, if I hadn't have gone all in on Coupley, that's probably what I would have done instead. Inching towards saving up that pot and being like, oh, my goodness. If we keep going on how we're going, like, we're going we're gonna to be able to buy a, a condo in, in Mexico or a... a house in spain like wow this is crazy i can't believe we're gonna be these people like this i never thought <laughs> i'd get to this point in my life like you are right that's very 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 exciting so yeah i love that what a great uh, what a great idea 
Yeah. And I love the last point too, like putting in that fun money in there and having things to look forward to because having these fun things that you have planned and scheduled in your relationship help you through like kind of the mundane week. Like maybe you aren't doing anything super exciting or you're not, mm -hmm. you're, you're focusing on your savings goal or your debt goal at this particular moment. But you know, once you hit it, you've also planned this awesome thing right around the corner from there. So putting that fun in there is just as valuable because if you go all like all in, on that fire movement like people just like grind for five years yeah. and then they get burnt out yeah. you don't want to do that at all you want to have something to look forward to and and i really like that you've said is like actually saving up to earn it versus being like i feel down what will make me be, be happy Hit, i'm gonna put 10 grand on a vacation on like a knee-jerk reaction versus actually planning towards saving up for that vacation with your partner and then booking it and not living on like lentils for the next three months because you booked it. You know what I mean? Like oh, that yeah. is a really beautiful thing itself. It is. And this is really getting into what people don't talk about enough in finances, which is the psychology of it. When I first became a mm. financial coach, I was like, okay, I've read five, 10 financial books. I, you've you've freaking read them all. That's it. Mm -hmm. I need to know how to help people make the change, do what they need to do. And a big part of it is building reward systems. Not only will that improve your success rate t of getting to the goal, but like what you're saying, you could go on that same vacation and there's 10K a debt where now you have a travel hangover, what I call that. Mm. And you didn't really get to relax because the whole time you're on that thing, you're like, shit, that's just like racking mm -hmm. it up, racking it up. Right. Mm -hmm. so, you, you, so you didn't get to even enjoy it as much. It wasn't as rejuvenating. Now you came home to a big pile of debt versus I've got 10K in my pocket. This baby is paid for. I earned yeah. every bit of it. And yeah. I can do whatever I want. So you enjoy that reward far, far more than if you just let yourself have it. And then now you've just created a problem for yourself. Well, I, and talking about love, psychology, that's the delayed gratification too. The longer you wait for something, the more you anticipate it, the more exciting it gets opposed to Which like, is like 90% oh. of our satisfaction. Yeah. Like there's literally yeah. studies on monkeys and apple juice. Like you anticipate the reward more than the actually getting the reward. Yeah, I, I'm I'm someone that loves spontaneity as well, and it, I remember a, the coolest thing that happened to me after I got much more into saving was like I put money in different pots in my bank account, so I got paid, and it automatically would like file it away in all these different pots, right? Automatically, so I wouldn't, wouldn't think about it. And I remember looking and being like, I have a thousand dollars in my vacation pot, like I'm just gonna go on vacation, and I remember booking like a last minute flight. I went to Spain and I went, I went for like a long weekend. It was a solo trip, but that was so fun. And it was like a surprise gift to me just because I'd done a lot of the automatic stuff. Didn't even end up spending that much, but I do remember that being like super cool as well. So even if you build up the systems, you can have like, you can have the spontaneity as, as well. That's awesome. I love that example. Yeah. You're planning yeah. to be spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it exactly. is, but it, but it doesn't, it, it didn't change how rewarding it was for you you still got to you were surprised by it like maybe mm -hmm. when you reached it or where am i going to go so there was still a lot of spontaneity in there but exactly. you set up the systems and you planned to, to be spontaneous exactly exactly so tim let's tie this all back to coupley here and well we we know there's a finance section in coupley so we'd just like to talk a little bit more about coupley and how do you see coupley facilitating difficult conversations and helping you deepen your relationship with your partner so coupley 
takes the emphasis off you from needing to ask these hard questions. We will do that for you. We will help some of these harder questions happen in your relationship. And some of them are going to be really fun. Some of them are going to be sexy. Some of them are going to be playful. Some of them are going to be deep. And some of them will be a little bit tough. So the interspersed within the flirty, the fun, the sexy questions, yeah, we're going to have some tougher questions. You're going to do some personality tests that's going to help you understand each other a little bit more deeper. And now we have our couple of courses that are going to be coming out under different topics. We've already got some good starter questions for folks on the finances side and Rebecca and Dylan, as we start to push out some of the couple finance courses, we're going to be hitting you guys up as you've got some amazing content. <laughs> well, thank you. We definitely want to make sure that that is featured in some of these upcoming courses. So if you're listening to this and you're on couple over the next coming months, likely you'll see your wonderful host here in the app in some way as well. But th that is the main way that we do it. We get people focused on different elements of their relationship, on building trust, on improving intimacy, on exploring your sensuality with your partner. And we have more lighthearted topics like the hiking course that I think you guys might have done. Like what kind yeah, of hiker are you? <laughs> we got more coming out for on movies, what kind of pet parent you are, uh, and more on like moving house, your first year together, all of these cool uh, and interesting relationship topics is what we're going to be exploring. Yeah. What I really appreciate about the app is that, you know, I know Rebecca very well and we've, we've had some great conversations, but you, your, you and your app just come at it from different angles or you ask questions that like maybe we've breezed over a topic, but you've helped us get deeper in that particular section of our relationship. And it's been very helpful. So as a, a little testimonial here to you, like we've really enjoyed it and, and, we're happy that we we found it. Yeah, we. I mean, we we do. We actually use it, and yeah, exactly. Like you think you know your partner, and Dylan and I have been together for ten years, so we really felt like we super know each other, right? But I was even telling Dylan the other day, people kind of have that thing of like, oh, so you're going to be with the same person for the rest of your life. Like how boring. It's like no, I'm always changing. He's always changing, right? So even if you've even had these conversations before in the past, you're a different person now. And you might have changed the way you really feel about it. So even if you've had the conversations, it forces you to kind of circle back. But even the conversations that are just like fun, I think there's just a lot to be gained from the five minutes a week even of intentionally sitting there and thinking about your relationship and thinking about your partner, you are just being intentional. And it's just sitting down and saying, what's a good hike mean to you? Or you know, what, where's yeah. your favorite place to hike or whatever. For that one in particular, Dylan didn't know that my first hike ever was when I was 18. And like it led to this whole story of my very first hike because I grew up in the country. You don't hike when you're a country girl. That's just walking through a pasture. What? <laughs> you know, it's not a big deal. So, But it just led to these stories that we've thought we knew, but we didn't. Even on the thing where we have talked at length uh, yep. so much about, um, it brought up conversations. And I think actually our next episode after this, we're going to run through some of the finance stuff in Coupley as a podcast episode and just answer oh, yeah, the questions cool. on the podcast. <laughs> so it's going to be really fun. Yeah, That's awesome. Thank you for sharing, guys. I love these stories so much. And it makes me think, you know, even within big narratives of our lives. Like both of you are outdoorsy people. Both of you have met each other through the outdoors. That is like a huge part of your life. Even within that story, 
there are all these little stories. Uh-huh. What is your favorite hike? When was your first hike? When did you know that hiking was something important to you? What is it about being in nature that's important to you? And why is that important? Like there's all of these little these these little features that make up the maps of our lives and our minds and making sure that our partner really deeply understands our inner worlds is such a beautiful way of having a deep and wonderful relationship that will last forever and that's that's our that's our goal here and i know that you guys are looking after the the finance side of things so, so people's finances can be on a smooth sailing forever which is amazing and again more cement poured into that foundation and then we try and look after that like psychology and story side and that's really cool thank you for sharing that's awesome yeah well and that's why we love it and that's why we we're on it ourselves it's why we suggest it to people that's why you know you're here today is because we think those two things are just so connected it's what we teach in our coaching that without that feeling of safe security i understand you i know you it's going to be really hard to have those financial conversations, especially if things aren't necessarily going the way that you want them to. And so they just pour back into each other so, so much that without one, it's going to be really hard to have the other. So investing in your, in your relationship, you have to do it. If you if you want to reach financial independence with your spouse, you have to invest in the relationship. It's just as important as paying off the debt, in my opinion. No, totally. 100%. Well, This seems like a great place to call the conversation, Tim. But before we totally wrap up, like if people are interested in what they've listened to today and they want to learn more about Coupley, tell us, like, where can they find you? Where can they find Coupley? A little bit about that. Coupley is available to download on Apple, iOS, Play Store, on the Google Play Store, on the Apple App Store, and just search Coupley, C-O-U-P-L-Y. Hopefully, Rebecca and Dylan will. We'll, yeah, we'll drop all the, the links notes. in the show notes for sure. <laughs> and check it out and see what you think. Um, there's a ton of stuff that you can do completely for free. We do have paid premium options that are pretty optional. You've got a healthy amount of content to get. We through. suggest um, just go for it, guys. Like just it's not invest. much. At it's all. not yeah. much, and again, like just pony up. Your mess. Your relationship is worth it. I think it's one of the lowest cost investments you can make in your relationship. So, I mean, I think go just do it. Make sure it fits in your budget. <laughs> hey, it's, it's Rebecca and Dylan approved. It fits in your budget. Don't worry about <laughs> Yeah, That's awesome. Well, thank you, Tim, so much for being here today. We appreciate it. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. That was a great episode with Tim. I'm so glad that he was able to join us. Yeah, what a great conversation talking about the importance of focusing on both things, your relationship and your finances, how the two things are connected and the importance of investing in both. So definitely check out the link in the show notes and check out Tim's app. It's great. Like we said at the beginning of the episode and throughout, we really love it. We use it all the time. So it gets our stamp of approval. But until next time, I'm Dylan. And I'm Rebecca. And and we're we're Rad Rad Coaches. Coaches.